0: One of the things that we want to be mindful of, and I'm definitely aware, thanks to our technology, that there are people that are watching and participating in our service through our online capabilities that were in the affected areas from the tornadoes, if you followed the uh, news yesterday. In fact, I have uh, a lot of my family on my dad's side is from Kentucky, and so I was sending out some texts yesterday, trying to make sure everybody in my family was okay. Gratefully, everyone that I'm aware of uh, was okay, but I know there was a great loss in those states. And so we want to be in prayer for those. And so uh, I'm going to offer up a prayer right now for all those who are affected and all those who are such a loss. And as they go into a holiday season, um, and there's going to be some empty chairs at the table. So if you would, let's pray together. Heavenly Father. As we see the power of the nature that you created and what seems to be random and wantless. Father, I pray for those that are grieving today in all the areas and the states that are affected by the tornadoes. I ask that you would be the God of comfort. You be the God that is present, the God that shows up in the midst of the tragedy. And ask that you would heal and that you would redeem. Father, Father, help us to be people that are in prayer, to be people that are in response to that. And Father, as we have uh, fellow brothers and sisters that have been affected, that we would not forget in the midst of all the joys we may be experiencing, that we would bring comfort and encouragement. Father, I ask that you would be present. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh Yesterday, my family and I, just a personal note, we had a chance to go and celebrate with Lane Luttrell, who is our previous uh, preaching intern. This is his wedding to Riley Cruson. They got married yesterday, and Lane sends all of his love to Western Hills. It was a place, you, you are a people that have really blessed him and encouraged him, and so we promised we'd come back and share that. That message. Uh, if you're not aware, uh, Lane and Riley are now serving in Jonesboro, Arkansas, and he is the campus minister with the South Central Southwest Church um, up there, uh, doing the on the Arkansas State University campus, leading their ministry, and they are just doing some fantastic stuff in the name of God. And so grateful for that. So let's dive into the message today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open to Luke chapter two. We're doing gift exchange, and the idea of the gift exchange is that when you show up for Christmas, there's an exchange of gifts. Something is, is not necessarily traded, but there's a give and there's a receive, and I know many of you are right in the throes now still trying to figure out um, Christmas presents and navigating supply chains and all the other craziness that's in the world right now. But there's that sense of, of what are we going to give, and I remember, because I still do this, even as a child, it was always a big question, what am I going to get, right? And, and I would go, and mom would wrap all the presents, and they would be under the tree, and it just seemed like, you know, we'd get the tree up fairly early in our house. It was the same artificial tree we drug out year after year, long after it should have been thrown away. We kept bringing it out. That was our tradition. And so the tree always went up pretty early, and then mom would begin to put the presents under there. And so it was always my job, I felt, to go and, you know, kind of investigate the packages. Anybody else do this? And I remember very distinctly, every time you'd pick up a shirt, I mean a a box, and you could tell it was a shirt box, just a disappointment, because I knew that come Christmas Day, you know, I'm at an age, you know, now, that's a great gift. Then it was like, nope, I knew I was going to have to open that up, smile, probably pose for a picture that, you know, back then wasn't going to be texted right away to them, but somehow developed and sent to them and act like I was really grateful for the shirt. Because what I wanted was toys and games and video games and cool stuff. But there's this gift exchange that goes on. Well, we've been looking at the ultimate gift exchange. Because when Jesus comes into the world, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about today, there's an exchange that takes place. And because of who Jesus is, we receive something and we give something up. What you get and what you give. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to go to very familiar for most of us. And even if you're not a believer today, you're going to recognize this because this is where we get most of our Christmas imagery from is Luke chapter 2. This is all the best parts of the nativity scene right here together this this is what if you're familiar with any of the Christmas decorations any of the nativity scene in the story you've seen this one if you've watched Charlie Brown Christmas special this is what you know right here and so I want to approach it and maybe maybe you've never actually heard this read straight out of the Bible before and this may be your first time and you're wondering where did all these images come from I'm so glad you're here I'm so glad you're online to be a part of this or if this is the thousandth time you've done you've heard this i'm going to ask you to listen to it with fresh ears today because what we have here is we have an announcement of something brand new and for some of us we become too familiar with it and it's lost some of its newness and therefore it's lost some of its excitement And I want to try to recapture some of that today because there is a Christmas miracle that I want us to focus in on. So it begins this way, Luke chapter 1. And I'm just going to read through Luke 1 through, I think, 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And now the scene's going to shift, and the camera's going to go from this tranquil scene in the middle out into the dark of the night. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, "Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about." So they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph, and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word, causing they spread the word concerning what had been told about them about this child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all things that had been heard and seen, for what they just had been told. There's this unbelievable Christmas miracle, and I just don't want us to go too fast past it. God sets in motion these events. And he uses players in the game. They're not even aware that they're being used for his greater purposes. And so political figures call for a census to be taken. And in that day, to go to a census, you would go and basically register in your hometown. And so that sets in motion this event. And you may not believe this, but I believe that it was the fulfillment of a prophecy hundreds and thousands of years before that Jesus was going to come from the town of Bethlehem. And so Joseph because of his lineage they travel to Bethlehem and when they arrive the town's already packed. And there's a good chance that the reason that they can't find a place is cuz the home that they go to and the word inn and and uh, we kind of think of it as like a kind of a country roadside hotel. It It was just a place to stay and find safe refuge. It very well could have been family. But guess what? All the family has to go to Bethlehem to register. So the family is already packed in there. Now, how's that for a dynamic? It's the family that's filling up the slots that they can't find a place in the rooms. And so they go to the stable... Or maybe it's a sheep pen. It depends on how you want to translate this. This could have been a couple different things. It could have been a separate barn. Probably not likely. It could have been what seems very strange to us, but because in that place you would build your house kind of on a second level, and the ground level would be used for livestock because that's where the ground was, and so you didn't have the same kind of... um, hygiene concerns of an animal living on the second floor which you would not want to live under and also when you heated the house you were also protecting your animals so this may have been the very bottom level of the house where the animals are it may have been a cave on the edge of town that had a fence in front of it and a place for shelter we're not really sure but it's clear it's not the place that you'd want to give birth to your child you can only imagine that there were some conversations between Joseph and Mary when she realized he had not made the reservations. Hence, it was a silent night. In the middle of this, can I only imagine the the weariness from the travel. And they arrive and realize the situations and they take their place in this livestock area. And Mary begins to deliver. And Joseph's there, also tired, also exhausted. And probably some others are there to be helpful. And Jesus comes into the world. And the witnesses to it are not even listed, and it's just some animals at this moment. And Luke is really careful to tell us that this all takes place at night. That, that this is all essentially in the darkness. And, and it's really hard for sometimes for us to imagine that because we're so used to electric lights and everything from flipping a switch to pulling our phones out now can at least Shine some light, so we're not really light starved in, in many ways. In fact, now we actually have to go through different kind of um, techniques because if you watch too much light, it throws off your bodily rhythm we've learned. but there it's dark and they've got a fire or a lamp or a candle or something something going, and that scene shifts from this darkness out to the fields where it's really dark. And we see some shepherds. And shepherds are just doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're out there with the flock. They don't own the flock. It's not theirs. They're simply hired hands. And just a little bit of study, you realize that these hired hands, that they're probably good guys, but in that world they hear the phrase, they're just shepherds. Nobody aspired to be the shepherd. It did not take a degree in animal science to become a shepherd. It was a every man's job when you couldn't find another job that you wanted to do or could do. It was not the place where the elites hung out. Because every now and then you would have to care for and handle an animal that was sick or an animal that had died. And then that would make you, by their definition, unclean for a certain amount of time. And so that was work that somebody else needed to do. And here's these guys out there. They're minding their own business. They're going through the job just like it had been every other single night before for as long as they could remember. And suddenly in the midst of that darkness, guess what? A bright light shows up. Some of the reasons that I love Christmas decorations and Christmas lights, because that's what they're supposed to remind us of, is the light coming in the darkness. And this is not just a light. It's not just a UFO of some kind showing up. It's a light that speaks to them, and it makes an announcement. And every time an angel shows up, it always says the same thing: "Do not be afraid. Yourself in their shoes. You're out there. It's dark. You don't have your redneck spotlight, but you see one coming at you, and then you hear it talk to you. Don't be afraid. I would not doubt that these guys, these shepherds, were already on the ground. We're already trying to protect themselves somehow, having no clue what they're experiencing in the first few seconds of it. And the angel, this messenger, says, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. He brings a very strange message. But what they would have heard when he says, The Lord has come. He's the Messiah. He's arrived. That would have caught their attention. And now they're realizing that he's just a few miles away. And they're the ones that are getting the news. And as soon as the news is delivered, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. The choir breaks out. Oh, I would love to have seen that scene. They go from one angel with his bright light shining down on them, they're already terrified, to what I can only imagine is the heavens and the sky filled with this choir. This choir that had been practicing since the beginning of time. Rehearsal after rehearsal after rehearsal. And now when they bust onto the stage, it's crickets. Literally, crickets. And sheep. This is how God announces Jesus has come into the world and so they do what you can expect. They, they, they leave this scene. They run into the town. They, they say to each other, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened. What's the Lord's told us about? And I love verse 16. So they hurried off. I would have too. They found Mary, Joseph, and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what he'd been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed what they said. Light had come into the darkness. Suddenly the spotlight is put on the most obscure people on the fringe. And they're in the center of all the excitement. And that's what happens at Christmas. Light comes into the darkness. Do you remember what we read just earlier at the beginning when we called this this worship service together? We read what I call John's nativity scene. Now, we typically don't go to John, the Gospel of John, for his Christmas time to be seen because we don't think of it that way. But I want you to go back there. If you've got a Bible, you can just listen to it being read. In the Gospel of John, it opens with these words. And in John 1, it says this, In the beginning was the word. And for anybody that you've studied, that should trigger you with something. And that would have for them. For the first readers of this, that would have sounded like Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible, when it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then what he does is he speaks and light comes into the world. Watch how John describes it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, suddenly, don't miss this, he... The Word is a He. The Word is a person. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John is saying, Jesus, the Word of God, God has spoken a new word, and once again, it's light, and it's come into the world, and the darkness has no power over it. And then he does this: The true light that gives light into everyone, that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We've seen His glory. He came into the world. He he became flesh. The message of Luke, the message of John, what the shepherds heard that night is God has stepped into the world. He's become a person and He's entered into He's come near now. As we celebrate Christmas, I know that that Easter is just down the road. The miracle of Easter is always clear. The miracle of Easter that we celebrate every year is the miracle of the resurrection that Jesus walked out of the tomb. Christmas is a celebration of the miracle of the incarnation. That God would come near the God would step into the world, and it's like light stepping into the dark place. And so because of that, what I would tell you is the exchange that happens. When Jesus steps into the world, there's a certain exchange that happens, and it's simply this. When Jesus comes in the world, we give up religion for a relationship. So in just the last few moments here, I'm going to talk about that. Because what the Incarnation, what Christmas tells us when God comes into the world is that God did not come to bring us a religion. Do you notice that when the angel says to the, the shepherds, he says, go into Bethlehem, there you're going to find a baby lying in a manger. He doesn't say, go into Bethlehem, there you'll find a book. He doesn't say, go into Bethlehem, there you'll find a politician. He doesn't say, there you'll find... The answers to the riddle. He doesn't say, there you'll find the rules. He says, there you'll find a baby. And that baby is God come near. The the, the other line says, he made his dwelling among us. That word for dwelling is the same word for tabernacle. Now, you may not be familiar with what the tabernacle is. But the tabernacle was the Old Testament version of a mobile temple. When the people of God left Egypt and they were on their way to the promised land and God was leading them through all those years, they would set up a tent wherever they were that was called the tabernacle. And that was a place that represented that God is with us. And so Jesus comes into the world. Now he is that tabernacle. He is that one that says God is in our midst. And don't miss this. Here's just a little side note. A tabernacle was always temporary. And it says Jesus now set up a tabernacle, a dwelling with us, because that was going to be temporary, because Jesus was going to go ultimately. So that the Spirit of God could come and then from then on it's a temple but the temple's not a building it's you and it's me we become the temple where God is present in the dwelling. But Jesus is doing something so new because up to that point they had only thought of it as a building. They thought of it as a place not a face. They thought of it as a something that you went to not somebody that you encountered and so Here's just a few things I want you to know about the Incarnation. First of all, you give up the rules for a relationship. If your version of Christianity is, I've got to do more and try harder to please God, that's not the gospel message. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus came not so he could teach you how to rise up to him, He came to step down, to carry you to God. God came our direction. It is not my righteousness that I count on. It's the righteousness that Jesus Christ has granted me. That means, here's the other big difference between religion and relationship. Religion is driven on guilt and shame. If I can make you feel guilty, I can get you to change. That can make you feel shameful and get you to change, but then you know what you've got? A guilt, shameful, filled church. But when we realize what Jesus has, has done for us, then the responsive emotions that you feel is joy, gratitude and love. That's what a relationship is. That's what Jesus invites us into. And the most significant difference is this. Religion can leave you alone and isolated. You can practice it and practice it and practice it and practice it and try to get everything just right, but it can still leave you alone and isolated. God coming near, moving into the neighborhood, the incarnation says that you will never have to be alone. Because it's not religion, it's relationship. And it's a relationship that shows up in the dark times and shines a light. It matters that God came close to us. So I was thinking about this. I was reminded of a time when God showed up in a dark place. And I came, I recalled this illustration, I'm going to share a video with you. It's a guy named Penn Pennington who is a Nashville guitarist and actually had served many years performing at the Grand Ole Opry. And he came down with a form of cancer. And so he checks into the local hospital for a chemo treatment. And you can only imagine the anxiety and the depression that he was wrestling with. And as he's checking in, his nurse, Alex Calizo, realizes how despondent he is and also realizes that he's a musician. And so she goes and gets her guitar, and she brings her guitar and gives it to him and says, let's sing. What do you want to sing? And they talk for a little bit and they sing about this very moment in the song, "O Holy Night." And with the shadow of cancer, with the darkness of experiencing the chemo treatments, light comes busting through because Jesus steps into the world. If you would, watch this. When Jesus comes in the world, he transforms stables and shepherd pastures into places of worship. He transforms hospital rooms and divorce courts, jails, funeral homes. Any place there's darkness, the darkness cannot overcome when God comes near. If you would stand with me, please. I'm going to pray for you if you don't yet understand how Jesus can light your world, if you're still pursuing a religion and not a relationship, I want to encourage you that this be the Christmas season that you make the great exchange. Lay down the I got to do it on my own and grab a hold of the one that has come near to you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Thank you for not staying at a distance. Thank you for coming close. Even when we didn't recognize you or acknowledge you. Father, for anyone here that is still trying to pursue a religion-based righteousness. That we're still trying to do more and try harder and work at it more to get it all right. Father, would you let this be... The season that we lay that down and we embrace a relationship with the one that entered into this world, laid in a manger, grew as a boy, ministered as an itinerant preacher, and ultimately was hung on a cross as a criminal. And walked out of the tomb alive. Father, would you help us to pursue a relationship with that one? And anyone who's experiencing a dark season right now, for whatever the reason, would you allow the light of the incarnation to flood their lives, to drive the darkness away? And if nothing else, Father, let them know that they are not alone. I ask all this in the name of the one that the shepherds went away praising. In the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.